0: Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday. It's 9 a.m. and the pet experts are in the building. This is the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320 WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen.
1: Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Bruce. Good morning, Rick.
0: Hey, Lee, uh, did you look for any birds this week after our great show last week?
1: Actually, it's funny you say that, Rick, because I spoke with two people who I know who live in the area, and guess what they told me they've been seeing outside their house?
0: Um... Peacocks. No,
1: bald eagles.
0: Bald eagles.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how mm-hmm. many people are spotting them and just the cool animals that are out there. Mm. And, yeah, I've been looking for them. There's no doubt about it. And there's more and more. Birds that are showing up every day, so it's a cheerful time of the year. I'd ask you the same question, but I think you're too busy looking at pictures of your granddaughter
0: or <laughs> <We're laughs> working at the store. That's for sure. We uh, we uh, are turning our small small medium bird rooms upside down this week. That is, they've all all the birds have flown to the uh, uh, classroom, okay. um, and uh, we're remodeling that room. So hopefully. Within the next couple of days, we'll have a fresh coat of paint down there and uh, maybe a nice uh, delightful mural on the walls and uh, and the birds back where they like to be. So,
1: Well, that's good. Speaking of renovations and what have you, our guest this week knows all about the concept <laughs> of renovations because yeah. I've got to say – She's probably been working on them for almost as many years as we've been on the air, because she's one of our earliest guests that we've ever had, and she keeps coming back every year to sit down with us. It's Julia Wilson from the Capital Area Humane Society, and I gotta say, if there is an absolute godsend to the Lansing area, it's been Julia's presence over at CAHS because nobody does the job the way she does that job. She's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's amazing to have watched over the last couple decades and to see the constant drumbeat of improvements that we've witnessed uh, while she's been there. It's... I, I can remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago how proud they were of the area that they had for their cats where some of them were in some open areas. And uh, now they're going to redo that area again. And then we just know that, um, you know, I've been there on tour. Uh, they didn't have a, a veterinary lab, um, and now they do. Um, they didn't have ways of isolating the incoming uh, dogs, and uh, those have been uh, relinquished, um, various animals in one area from another area like they do now. I mean, they've gone through such a giant transformation. If you've never been out there um, and you really want to see like what progress looks like when it comes to animal welfare, um, there's not a better place that you could go than for instance, uh, the Capital Area Humane Society. Oddly enough, we're pretty fortunate because I could almost say those same paralleling things with Ingham County Animal Control.
1: No question about It,
0: it. It's just amazing here in Lansing, Michigan. And I don't know, but I would assume that if we traveled from state to state and city to city, that this story that we have, where both the animal control, a fantastic now facility that has some of the uh, amazing elements that you would never expect from an animal control and the capital area humane society, all having these facilities that are top shelf. Wow. Um, you wouldn't find them throughout the United States. I wouldn't think, but I, I, you know, that's, that's a question.
1: No, your point is well taken because I was going to say that I think you've you've avoided the most impressive thing that Capillary Humane Society has done, which has been their spay and neuter clinic because yeah, the truth yeah, is yeah. they have probably got one of the most effective spay and neuter programs going anywhere in the country mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the numbers that they're coming up with in terms of helping people in order to have that and in a cost-effective way. It is just absolutely a miracle. And the people have a lot to do with it because they're the ones helping raise the money.
0: Yeah. And and uh, and then the individuals that are using the facility there, uh, pretty darn awesome. Um, there's one I wouldn't say excuse, but reason that people won't get their animal spay or neutered that's taken off the books, and that's cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are as accommodating as you could ever get at allowing your spay neuter to be as affordable as possible without excuse. So um, if if you're not aware that that even exists, and I would imagine there's a good number of listeners that aren't, just get a hold of the Capital Area Humane Society and you'll – You'll be amazed at what they have as, as, as a service to the community. Well, we're
1: going to get started with Julia, and the good news for all of you are if you've ever wanted to adopt a puppy, now is probably a pretty good time, as Julia will tell you right here on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 W-I-L-S. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us in the studio a guest who needs no introduction whatsoever. She's been with us for many years. It's Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society. Welcome back to the studio, Julia. Hi,
2: guys. It's wonderful to be here. Always fun.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. You've been coming in here now for what 11 12 years i don't
2: know (laughs) we were just talking about it it was a long time
1: yeah but keep telling great stories and this week no change in that because truth is for people who don't know you you've just come back from a road trip
2: oh yes i love the road trip so (laughs) yep we just came back um From Tennessee. We actually make some regular trips down there as an organization to assist out another rescue organization, and um, we just came back with some babies.
1: Okay, so tell us about the babies.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, we work with, I said, another organization down in Tennessee. It's almost to the Mississippi border, so we're talking about southern Tennessee, and... And um, just a little background information, Um, animal welfare is a very regional thing, and um, population of animals is a a regional thing as well. And while we don't see an incredible surge of puppies that need our assistance here in in our region – and then a lot of that students spay, neuter, and available resources, there are many places not that far away where um, they're in desperate need of help getting animals um, resourced out and um, having places for these animals to go. So we go down at least once a month to this um, particular portion of southern Tennessee and bring back mostly puppies because we do still have quite a good population of adult animals in our region that need help and um, bring them back to our shelter, provide them with essential medical care. They really don't have a lot of access to down south Mm -hmm. and then we make them available to our community for adoption and um, anyone who follows our Facebook kind of sees the puppies surge in and out and that's kind of why they do It's because it is a transport um, that comes up. We do get some puppies locally and from other local area um, rescues and agencies as well but this is our biggest source of puppies.
0: And this, because uh, I remember, and it might have been ten, twelve years ago, that that was the scenario of conversation that we talked about. That you know, a number of the puppies, at least if not dogs, that were coming to rescue back then, were coming in from out of state. That yeah. that that you know, collectively, overall, Michigan should be proud of at least steps forward. Yeah, the but,
1: greyhounds, if I'm not mistaken, I remember.
0: Well, up I can't too. remember that. I just remember having a, a conversation yeah. with you, and yeah. that, and and so tell us about there, about down there. Uh, what what do you learn when you go down there, and what is the situation in their scenario, and what is it that prevents them from? I guess, getting their situation under control. I'm just curious.
2: Right. I mean, and, and this is a nationwide effort, not just on the Capital capital or Humane Society is engaging. And I just want to make your um, listeners aware of that because um, we've been transporting animals actively as an industry for about 15 years now. Yeah. Identifying that there are some places that have so many and others that don't have an abundance. And so um, this is something that's just become a national effort to, to – Identify the regions that the need regions. help. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's been done. A lot of down south is what we're focusing on. That's right what now. I was wondering. Is yeah. that the,
0: is that partly to to the temperature and you know uh, conditions for which they can be kept in, or is it you think the economy, or is it some? I guess, methodology and practice or the lack thereof?
2: I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and mostly it's resources. I think that when you look at, you know, spay and neuter resources and how available they are, um, not just for shelters, but also for public um, to uh-huh. get spay and neuter services, um, both from a financial and just having that that resource available enough clinics and enough resources to get animals to the spay neuter clinic and then folks able to afford those services Um, especially in the region we're focusing on seems to be the primary issue we also do you know and, and this can be anywhere this isn't this isn't a down south issue, but there's there are people who don't necessarily believe and support, spay, neuter or worry about that or think that's a high priority in their lives. So um, you do have to battle some of that opinions and attitudes about should you spay and neuter your pet. And so I think that as holistically, you know, it's a little more progressive in the northern states than it is in the southern states with the mentality that that's a really high importance you know, something that needs to be done. And, and, again, that's not a universal statement, but we are seeing um, resistance to spay neuter in some regions where it seems more embraced in others.
0: I wonder if there's a, a downtick in the people that are watching The prices Right, so... <laughs>
2: No, I, <laughs> oh okay yeah, i got you
1: <laughs> i think it's actually the, a space thing all the people are moving to florida and so we've got extra room up here <laughs> maybe <laughs> who,
2: knows? who knows but so, there's there's but, a lot going but on do
0: you personally went down this last time Is oh yeah that i go down that, that, that's I'm typically up. you do
2: yeah yeah i mean i have to say you know in my in my role i don't have the contact with the animals i had you know Previously, back when I was doing other jobs and not doing a CEO leadership job. So for me, I think um, it's really good for me to tap back into more hands-on. It it helps me. It kind of refreshes me and reminds me. You know, you get into administrative roles, and sometimes you're not always working directly with those you're serving you know you're kind of sorting things out more than you are doing the physical work so it helps me I think it, it helps to drive me and and give me like the motivation I need um, to keep fighting for these animals not that I don't have it but but you need to dig in sometimes and this is kind of actually take my daughter with me um with your daughter yep, yep, yeah my yeah, daughter nice. <laughs> yep, she's 23 years old so she's adulting you, but she comes with me and we just kind of make it make it a time for us to, to do this together
0: so do you actually actually have you, you I assume you guys then have the van and the necessary yeah. like equipment to go down there
2: yeah yeah we have a van that we use for transporting animals it's purpose bill it's industry Specifically yeah. designed yeah. Um, to have yeah. the ventilation and to you know be All safe the for long transports. There are a lot of um, requirements when you transport animals. How many hours you can transport them? You know there there are there are rules that we have to follow when we move animals from state to state or, or for long distances. So yeah. that van is purpose built to uh, make sure that that the animals are getting everything they need to transport.
0: So now the the. Puppies, for the most part, for the most puppies part, yeah. and dogs uh, are back here in Michigan, yeah. Lansing, Michigan, for that matter. And uh, what, how are you? How are they? Are they now settled in? Uh, how long does it take before those are available for um, people to adopt?
2: Sure. So it's going to take typically between three and five days, sometimes up to seven days for the animals to be processed. So, obviously, we need to get them back and make sure that their health is excellent and they're ready for spinoid or surgery because we won't release them until they are. So, um, for most of them, it's about a three- to five-day process. Some that that are maybe um, not ready for surgery, it would take a little longer. But most of the time when we bring puppies up, they're ready to roll um, well within a week of arriving here.
1: What's the age?
2: Well, um most of the puppies are anywhere from about eight weeks all the way up to about sixteen weeks. but again, we do take some adults too. I don't no. I don't want, especially if there's a mama dog associated with a litter of puppies yeah. and then she will typically make the ride with us. so um, so they're usually younger puppies, but we get older ones too. It's kind of just. Whatever that organization down there has at the moment um, right. to send up to right. us. So, are there mm-hmm.
1: particular breeds that you're getting? Or are they mostly mixed breeds?
2: They're mostly mixed breeds. Um, and people ask me what all the time. What is it? I don't, I don't know. Um, but lots lots of mixed breeds. If you um, if you look at the puppies coming through our organization, um, you'll see they all look different. <laughs> they, they, All sizes, all shapes, yeah. all colors. It's just yeah. a really um, interesting variety. Yeah. yeah. I have two dogs that came from down south, so...
0: Um, uh, usually yeah. smaller breeds or larger breeds
2: boy again it's a huge mix I would say probably a little heavier on the larger breed okay. but not like giant and um, we don't get lots of teeny tiny dogs but um right. but yeah right. yeah lots of in between
0: <laughs> nice nice yeah, yeah now now things are a little upside down right now at 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 your at the society uh, can you tell a little bit about what's going on there and and tell us uh, what what people would expect if they showed up or had showed up last week at yeah. least <laughs>
2: Well, there's been a little chaos going on, so um, that's just the the price you pay for growth. Um, we've yeah. been trying to do renovations in our facility for a very long time. Um, way back in 2017, when we completed our first phase with our new intake center and updating our adoption reception area and making the front of the building look all new. And it um, looks fantastic. And it does. We it. It does look it, fantastic. Love it, love it, love if it. you haven't
0: been out there, not everybody's going to show up there yeah. because they don't have any reason. But if yeah. you ever have a chance... What a what a out of the ballpark yeah, opportunity yeah, you have yeah, there. It's yeah. really, really fantastic. It's very ahead. colorful.
2: It is. We like the color. We want it to I'm, look I like embrace a happy that. place. I right, embrace Rick. That. You're with me on that. So so we started all this a long time ago. Um in fact a vision the board created back in twenty thirteen. So we have been working in facilities for um gosh, it's going to be near 10 years here. Nice. Um, and we'd, we'd hope to get these all done sooner, but unfortunately, um, as you know, things have happened in the last couple of years that have really made it hard <laughs> to get a lot done. Yeah. So um, we've just yeah. been kind of plugging away as we can, and we just um, dug in a couple weeks ago to the renovation of our kitten nursery. So that is going to be a new and exciting space where our kitten residents are going to spend their time while they're waiting for their adoptive families.
0: Yeah, I remember that being what in the door and to the left. Mm-hmm. Is it still in that space then?
2: In the well, in the door to the right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Turn you turn around.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you Well, well, what what are we gonna see if uh, when it's all done? What what give us at least a you know kind of like a trailer.
2: Yeah, so we are going to be housing our kittens a lot like we do our adult cats. So for those who've been out, they might be able to picture that in their minds. But they're going to live in little rooms instead of cages. Um, cages take options away from animals. Um, if you're a young animal, it takes away your ability to exercise and play and express yourself. Um, for older animals, the options it takes away is sometimes safety. If you're in a little cage and someone reaches in and you're kind of scared, you don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. So we really like to give shelter animals options to express express themselves, to have natural behavior, and also to also seclude themselves if they're feeling overwhelmed. So you'll see more options for our kittens, um, a brighter space, natural lighting, Um, but they're going to live in rooms, not really a lot of cages. There's still random cages for Kittens, they have to be separated. Isolation. Yeah, you know, isolation. But sure. but for the most part, they're going to live in, in a, a more home-like space while they're with us.
0: And does that take up more square footage? Does it reduce the ability for you to bring in cats? Or, or is it something that, you know, net zero or...
2: It's going to be fairly net zero because we can put multiple animals in each of these locations. So I think we found too that animals tend to get adopted faster when people can mm. get in and see what their personality is like. Yeah. And it just, I think it's a great option for the human side of the equation too, because I think that it it's um, something that really showcases animals better. And so I think in the end, um, animals do get adopted faster if they're in a, an environment they feel safer in.
0: Now, you're actually talking. Last I last we were chatting before you got on the radio yeah. that you were actually last week breaking concrete. <laughs> so Gotta so break something. So this is a, <laughs> this is a process that's gonna take a little while, I'd assume.
2: Yeah, all our innovations are pretty extensive. Um there is a flaw in the existing um foundation of the building and it's created floor issues for us for the last 25 to 30 years since it was originally installed huh. so um this that's why this construction is so invasive because we have to go back and correct some things that aren't working for us so that meant all the way down in our cruelty center too, all the way down to the dirt so that's what we're we're in the process of doing and then from there we'll rebuild it all the way up
0: well that can't be cheap it's right? Not cheap. It cannot be cheap. <laughs> I mean it's one thing saying, Okay, we've got to pull a wall out and right. kind of move a wall here and put up a wall there and maybe figure out how we're gonna do it. It's a whole different ball game if you're gonna pull up the floor.
2: Right, right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but we had to do it right this time. I mean Well, we, there
0: you go. Yeah. There yeah, you, yeah, you go you just And I to. will munch, and you yeah. were not there when they put that foundation in the first time. <laughs>
2: Well, that building was built in 1992 or 1991. We we inhabited in 1992, so it's been there a little while. Yeah, it's been serving yeah. us for a while. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Well, that's good, and I bet if you weren't there, or even if you were there, you weren't the one laying the concrete, right? No. You can't be no. personally responsible <laughs> for this poor foundation, right? Well,
2: and we're not really sure why. I don't want to blame anyone, but yeah. it's not- Maybe it was
0: sitting on a like a swamp or something. Yeah, well, we're a
2: little wet over there. I
0: think they just figured
1: it's going to take a lot of money, and if there's anyone who can raise it, it's
2: Julia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, so we're going to do it right, because we-, we We've had so many issues that cost the organization a lot of money trying to – Well, maybe at it.
0: the end of the show here we can get really focused on, like, fundraising and such. Sure, but yeah. I'd like to talk more – when we come back, I'd actually like to talk a little bit about something that's close to me. Nobody knows this, but uh, Julia has fish, so <laughs> – I'd like to bring that up in the next section. Well, and I'd like to talk about kitten season. Oh, yeah. Because that's inevitably
1: something this time of year that we've traditionally talked about. So we'll have those conversations and more with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society right here on 1320
0: WILS. (laughs) the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320
1: W-I-L-S. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. It's 935 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And Julia, you were just telling us about the changes going on yeah. out at Capital Area, and you mentioned the cat room, which makes me ask the question, we've got this new room for kittens. Do we have too many kittens? Do we have too few, or are we pretty well at the, exactly the right number?
2: <laughs> well, right now, there really aren't any kittens, and everybody yeah. would probably everybody notice wants, that. Yeah. Everybody wants the kittens that are coming and asking for them, so... Many people kind of know there's a kitten season, but what kitten season really is about is is cats are seasonally biestrous, and that means they all have kittens at the same time because it's actually the daylight that influences their reproductive system. Mm-hmm. So kittens are born during a time of year, and we call it in our industry kitten season. I don't know what everybody else calls it, but, but kittens are pretty scarce right now, and they will be up through the end of April. Um, the mamas are pregnant now. They they usually start getting pregnant in February, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and... Um, So we're seeing the pregnant mamas coming in just about now, but not the babies. They haven't mostly hit the ground. So once that starts happening, you know, cats like to do things with, in parties, right? So they're all going to be having their kittens at the same time, and that's what we call kitten season. So we're trying to get the nursery for the kittens done before kitten season really ramps up this year, so we have that place to put our kittens and adopt them out. But kitten season is coming; it always comes. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> I wouldn't mind skipping one just because there's so many adult cats. But
0: but it. honestly, there there has to be a trend line, right? Right. Uh, what are you guys anticipating as far as coming this April or May? What do you What do you anticipate? Anything? <laughs> lots, ca- of lots, not, of no, things. lots of lots. No things. idea. No idea whether <laughs> the numbers are going to be up, going to be down. Uh, just lots of them, no matter what. <laughs>
2: kittens are a little hard to track because there are many cats that are free roaming feral that don't have an owner associated with them. So it's just so hard to speculate how many kittens are coming a given yeah. year. I've never, you know, this is my twenty third year. Capitalary Humane Society. I've never had a kitten season where I've gone, boy, there are just no kittens this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I wish, I wish, like I could predict and I wish it would happen that we would have a very slow kitten year. Um, so it's it's sometimes hard to say. It seems like we always fill up all that we can, take all the kittens we can from our community. So I know there's a lot out there.
0: Is there any information that the general person, um, not knowing they're going to be confronted with this and uh, either they have the neighbor or the outside cat or the what not, uh, or even their own, and they yeah, find out yeah. that it's bulged, and they weren't expecting yeah, it. Yeah. Um, any information they need to know, you know, is if they call you up, is there a long waiting list to get them in, or is it usually uh, we have the capacity? To just bring in your huddled masses, or, or what? What, what do they need to know?
2: Well, you know, typically when kitten season hits, we fill up every day. So people need to know, and and we're hoping that the community can be prepared if they do run into a situation where they have kittens on their hands, um, to kind of be that interim for shelters. Um, Just because we can't take your cat or kittens today doesn't mean we can't take them. But obviously, we can only take so many animals into our shelter. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. that people get angry and upset that the shelter just won't take everything. (laughs) But at some point, it's irresponsible to take more animals than you can care for. For sure. Um, Um, And we have a capacity of care where we can only care for so many animals in a given day. So what we really would love from the community, if you call and you say, I have these kittens or I just found a cat and she's got babies. Mm -hmm. um, If you can try to help us out by keeping them for a little while and we could provide you with the resources to make that happen. But what we really need is is fosters and people who who I know not everybody can do this, but people who can just kind of be a temporary shelter because they all come at once. If they come throughout the year, it'd be so much yeah. easier for everyone, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But we Absolutely. start getting hit and, and you know, people are calling and, you know, some of them will get very agitated and, and not very nice with my staff. You know, you don't care. Take them, you know, or I'm going to do something awful to them. So so we just need some patience and some grace during kitten season because it's just so much and we only have so much you know, capacity on any given day. We wish we could take them all, please. I mean, I, 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 you know, somebody tried to express that people, like we wish we could just take every animal every mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. but when mm-hmm. everything's full and we we don't have any space to put them, mm-hmm. we can't just start piling, you know, this mama cat in with that mama mm-hmm. cat. I mean, those are practices that are not safe and okay.
0: So if somebody's out there and they have that situation, they're willing to take on some responsibility of essentially fostering. Yeah. Um Is there somebody there they could call and yep. say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to do this, but I feel very uneasy. I've never gone through this before. What do I have to do or what, you know what do I do with these kittens and I find no mother, sure. you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. We have a foster program and we also just have lots of um, medically trained and kitten trained staff who can help talk people through, I mean, our intake department as well, how you care for a bottle feed, if you if you need to be bottle feed, because we see a lot of bottle, bottle babies or orphan babies um, this time of year when they start being born. So we have tons of resources and we can give everyone the knowledge um, and if they need other resources that they aren't able to get, we can help them with that as well. So yes, yes, yes. Lots of resources inside that can help people to help us to um, sustain these lives until we can get them into shelter care.
0: Anything that uh, you need to mention as far as dogs and puppies?
2: Well, you know, dogs and puppies, again, they're not seasonally biosterous. So they're not not—they're not really driven by the, the daylight and, and the way kittens and cats are and reproductive health. So we don't see the surges of puppies. And again, right. it seems like, and this is just we talked a little bit earlier about how we do bring puppies into organization. Our region, in, in our area, in the greater Lansing area, we don't see surges of, of high numbers of puppies mm-hmm. coming or shelter from mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. It's just not. What happens right yeah, now? The
1: people want to keep the puppies.
2: They do, so. or are, you know, they they, they find, find other places. resources. Yeah. But um, yeah. with cats and kittens, it seems to be yeah. people get overwhelmed with them. Um, kind of a
0: basic supply and demand issue, and uh, with dogs, mm-hmm. there at least is. Enough curtail. Well,
1: plus one ingredient that that Julia mentioned about the free-roaming cats. How important is TNR when it comes to dealing with uh, kitten season? Because I would imagine those free-roamers are troublemakers and (laughs) (laughs) are probably helping uh, create that problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, TNR is huge, and obviously- you want to
0: explain to the audience what TNR sure, is? yeah.
2: So TNR, what we call in, in animal welfare, trap, neuter, and return. So though, that applies to cats who are free-roaming. Um, they may not be feral, and when I say feral, I think feral like a wild animal. Like if you try to touch, it's going to act like you try to catch a squirrel. It's going to, you know, these animals don't want human interaction, so feral cats are not social cats, but they're also free-roaming cats who are social but just don't have an owner attached to them. Mm-hmm. And all of these animals- you know, getting them spayed and neutered and, and, and getting them back into the environment as a spayed and neutered animal really digs deep into the population issue with cats because most cats have two litters a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so their capacity to reproduce is huge. I mean, and that's why. Cats are such a big issue as they are very effective at reproducing and will, you know, once they wean their first litter are usually pregnant with their second, and, you know, in a six-month period. So so that adds up really quickly. And our community cats program that operates out of our spay neuter clinic is um, already starting to work on TNR this year. We have to wait till it's, you know, obviously the temperatures are at least to the point we can trap animals because most of these animals can't be picked up. You have to physically trap them. But TNR is really the only way out of the cat over population problem.
0: Mm-hmm. And, nope, and everywhere. explain how your facility can as- facilitate uh, in that effort. If somebody yeah. would like to get involved in that process, yeah, what what can uh...
2: if you have free roaming or feral cats and you're trying to help them and get them spayed and neutered, you can contact our spay neuter clinic. And um, our director over there is in charge of our community cats program, and mm-hmm. we can provide traps and resources again so that you can bring the cats into our neuter clinic and have them spayed and neutered. So um, that's a program that's just there's so much demand so again be patient if you call us um you know we we again just have only so many cats we can spay and neuter every day um it is a surgery so <laughs> we can only do yeah. so many a day and yeah. do them correctly so um but we do have resources for you if you want to trap some cats or get cats out of the community that are feral or free roaming and reproducing
1: now when it comes to the story rick i think your fish story <laughs> is a very appropriate story for people to hear so why don't you go ahead and ask that
0: question well uh, (laughs) oh no (laughs) no (laughs) I was honestly I was just wanting to talk specifically um Julia and I have known each other for a lot of years and I have a lot a great deal of respect for you and the other day I was in the store and lo and be able to turn around and you were shopping for fish. And, I was, And that wearing, was, that was, that was, uh, that, that was very, uh, I, I love that, you know, yeah. because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, I wasn't expecting it. And then. We talked a little bit here, and uh, evidently you have more than one fish tank.
2: I do, yes. Um,
0: (laughs) You have goldfish, and then you also have some frogs. Is there anybody else I'm missing?
2: Well, you know, my my office tank that I just set up that you were helping me with, there's just some guppies in there right now because it's just a new tank. I'm learning as I go. Yes, Um, you want to do
0: live plants in there. I am. Yes, you, yes, you are I, doing my I am plants doing in my there. And what in size there. tank is that?
2: It's just a ten. It's just okay. a little bitty
0: one. And for those that don't know, we actually have an aquarium out there in the yeah, lobby. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we've had that for, I don't know. It seems like you know at least eight or ten it years. Has been. Yeah. And and yeah. how does that work out for the people coming in? Because I would imagine there's a bit of stress associated with various actions, and even wanting to get a dog or a puppy, and yeah. you have to wait to get to see them. Uh, how's the how's the fish tank work out? It was so an love, idea.
2: Yes, we love the fish tank. It is in our intake department, um, you know. And the reason we, we put it back there strategically, because separation be, of people and pets is a very, very traumatic um, sure. experience, sure. Uh, regardless of the reason you're separating from your pets. And so, um, you know, fish just have an essence that's very special. Mm-hmm. And um And in calming. And that's and I get to that later. But that's one of the reasons I put them in my office. So. um, So, yeah, we love it. We love it. It's just it's just a beautiful addition. It's not physically beautiful, just physically beautiful. But um, I think it adds to um, the the type of feel that we want people to feel um, at peace um, and that they're bringing their pet to a safe place. And I think that really adds to it. Rick,
1: we've got a true believer here. It doesn't matter (laughs) what kind of animals. She loves them all. We're talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the president of Capital Area Humane Society. And we need to take one more quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of the fundraising. Uh, that's going on because there's work that still needs to be done. We'll have that conversation right here on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Pruse and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about the Capital Area Humane Society, and we've got in the studio the president, Julia Wilson, who has talked about all of these great changes that are going on and all of the animals being helped, spay and neuter and TNR and Julia, one of the common ingredients of all of them is that they all cost money. And (laughs) you guys have to raise a lot. Now I've seen you praise the people of this area for their generosity. I assume that that generosity continues and you've got some plans because now that I shouldn't say it, COVID might be going oh, away. No, Lee. what did you do? And <laughs> assuming, assuming it Don't does, jinx us. it means that we can get together again in person sure, yeah. and have some events. So tell us, what what are the plans that you're thinking about at this point in time for 2022?
2: Well, it's been tricky. And I think one of our biggest events, the most popular events, the furball, has been off for the past two years. So the plan is to have it this spring on April 29th. So if people have attended in the past, they love it, they want to come back. Um, be sure to jump in and get your tickets soon. We are going to be limiting tickets this year just to keep things a little more manageable mm-hmm. um, considering all we've faced over the past two years. But this is going to happen at Eagle Eye as it has most years um, in the last 10 years or so at least. So that's on the books. We're going to make it happen um, a little bit different, but going to do an in-person event this year. So we're really excited to be back to that because it's just something everyone's really missed, not just getting together, but also um, that particular event is, it's got, I don't want to say a following, but there's a lot of people who support us through that event. And um, we're excited to have that back on the it, books.
0: It, I've been there several times and it's a fun event. Um, obviously there's a, Underlying directive. Let's see what we can raise yeah. so that we can keep going forward with the Humane Society. But uh, but in the midst of doing that, it's definitely a a fun, entertaining, engaging thing. Uh, the amount of donations that you have for auction, mm-hmm. or I guess that yeah, silent auction. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's a a very, very, very large room and there's tables endlessly back and forth, back and forth about anything. So if you want to do some shopping and that shopping uh, benefits what you feel very, very warm and fuzzy about... Uh that's the place to go and then if you want to bring your dog are you going to have that this yep, year? yep,
2: the, the dog spa, spa is back. Yeah, so, so a yeah. dog
0: spa so you can get your pet pampered and then uh, also it gets to go down the walk uh yeah. runway, yep. right? Correct. So Absolutely. So just to give people an idea that it's not just uh hey come in and 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 let's figure out how we can get money. It's a lot of dividends for doing so and it's just a fun atmosphere and Getting those people that um, have the wherewithal financially to get in the same room and to watch them kind of compete back and forth to get uh, to, to show their generosity. It's, that's kind of fun, too.
2: It's great. It's yeah. just fabulous. I yeah. so, love
0: it. Um, the one thing that I did want to bring up, and it's kind of a combination of um, a dog story and a fish <laughs> story. So, oh, so no, let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk sure. about this. Uh, I got your permission at the break to you bring did. this up. You so did. Uh, tell us about uh, a fun little story that had a happy ending, just There's for those that ending. are going to listen to this. Uh, tell us about the happy ending.
2: Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this, but, um, so as Rick, Rick mentioned, I have fish. Um, my daughter has two goldfish, Angela and Dwight, and, um, we've had them for a while. And, um, in fact, I was into Rick's shop the other day cause I'd outgrown their aquarium and, um, we were upgrading to a nice large tank for them, um, just cause it was time. So Rick helped me out, gave me everything I needed to be successful, set them up in their new tank. Mm-hmm. And I thought life was great, um, for Angela and Dwight. And it was for a while, um, So I went up to my daughter's room, I don't know, in the morning before school. She was getting ready, and she's like, Duke has something. And I was like, of course Duke has something. He has something
0: all the time.
2: The most common phrase in my house is, what do you have, Duke? Um, Duke is an amazing, amazing dog, and we love him so much, but he likes to eat stuff.
0: What kind of dog is Duke?
2: He came from Tennessee. He's a houndy, black labby-looking thing. Got to
0: get the visual image here. He
2: does. He's the sweetest boy. Um, and so, you know, as we always do, we kind of look at his mouth to see what it is, and lo and behold, it's Angela. So apparently, one <laughs> of
0: your goldfish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> apparently, the new tank really thrilled Angela, and she must get a little frisky. And and Duke did not go fishing. I need everyone to know Duke's not at fault here. Um, it appears Angela
0: the, got a little frisky and, and kind of took a have, sail.
2: She must have leaped out. I didn't know that she could be so projectile. Yeah, um,
0: especially with their bodies, they they're, they're yeah. not really meant to be aerodynamic. You're not no. thinking of them as a flying fish
2: she did not look aerodynamic but she was um, Duke was eating her Um, and so we we pried open his little mouth and and extracted Angela and um, it didn't look good Rick I mean she was just laying there and and most of her tail was missing and you know it's before school and my daughter was getting upset and I'm like looking at Angela and there's just the slightest little movement of gill and I said, you know, save the day, Mom. Let's throw her back in.
0: That's the only thing you can do. <laughs>
2: well, was that her flusher. Yeah, no, want to no, you a... did the right
0: thing. Uh, right move.
2: Didn't want to fish for you before try. school. Give so, her a try. You know, thinking I'm lying to my daughter, I said, baby, she'll be okay. Just toss her back in <laughs> and let's go to school. So we did, right? And, um, uh-huh. you know, I'm coming home thinking it's going to be the Angela funeral time. And, and she's moving just a little bit, Rick. Not a lot. But, you know, we put her back into the morning, and by evening, she wasn't – she's was still on her side and floating, but her gills were moving. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh. And then we're like, should we flush her? And we're like, no, let's give her a chance. And the next day, she was flopping a little bit more. And it took like four or five days, yeah. and she's swimming? And, and I it's I, been a month now. Yes, and she's fine.
1: Yeah, that's good. I don't that's know how
2: oh, she's fine. She was dead in Duke's mouth. The
1: lesson she, is <laughs> anything with gold in its name, you don't want to flush.
2: It's thrown <laughs> back in. I don't know. I, I'm embarrassed to share this story because I feel like a bad fish mom, but yeah. it ends well. And yeah. Duke is not a bad dog, everyone. I need I need to put that out there. I think he saw her on the floor and thought she was, you know.
0: Well, they can, you never know. Um, so one of the things that it's not – being out of water that necessarily kills the fish it's the gills no longer having moisture around the gills Uh and so eventually even though they can pick if there's moisture around the gills they can pick up things there's like like fiddler crabs and stuff or isopods for instance have lungs and they Uh as long as they keep moist they're Uh on in land they they live Uh right well in the case of fish Maybe, just maybe, the, the wet mouth of your dog, Same maybe, maybe, maybe your dog, gave her mouth maybe, to mouth. Your, dude, maybe your dog saved the, the, the goldfish. So you should pat your dog on the back and say, thank you very much for saving my goldfish. Angela, yeah. Angela. Bless
2: her.
0: well
1: that is a a great great story and uh nothing to be uh embarrassed about at all because rick i once told the story my wife was concerned that a fish that she had died and she's like don't tell rick he won't be able to handle it (laughs) and i said are you kidding he's killed more fish than
0: any human being alive i I had a friend of mine great friend of mine uh vic philpotts worked for me uh back in the 80s and he ended up rooming with us back in the 80s and we had a lot of fun together because he was quite a um uh, a fun Scottish guy Alrighty. with uh wrestling in the front yard I can still remember that with a little too much scotch we don't do that anymore but sure? <laughs> but, but the one thing uh, he came to me uh, he had he was in the in the uh uh, profession of uh, fisheries and oh, he went into okay. Peace Corps oh, and nice. he was okay. like there to help yeah. the, the, the those in Africa to kind of figure out how to better use their resources sure. and create a fisheries. Yeah. And, and his professors told him once that, you know, you haven't become an expert until you've killed at least a thousand fish, you know. So, <laughs> and, and, and what he meant by that is that Oh, what man. what the professor meant by that is that it life is a learning curve and trying to keep these guys alive and healthy and happy, you know, you you can't just go in with a swagger and think sure. you know what you're going to do. It takes experience. Yeah. It takes yeah. like understanding what these animals are like and what the water conditions need to be. Yeah. And so I, 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 in a small amount, that's exactly like it is in the store. Somebody comes in and they want to get fish. We need to spend a whole lot of time with yeah. them just to make sure that they understand that Yes, it sounds like a great idea but let's ask questions and let's figure it out first. Julia, I'm sorry to say we've run out
1: of time for the show, but if anyone wants to get their tickets, where do they go to get them for the upcoming furball?
2: Yeah, go to our website. It's easy to find, and you'll be able to follow the link for the furball there.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming in. We've been speaking with Julia Wilson. And Rick, I'm sorry to say we could keep talking with, maybe we need to have her back next week too, but (laughs) bottom line is it's been a great conversation but that's all we've got so on behalf of our producer Bruce Warner and Rick Proust is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend a great weekend we'll talk next weekend on the mid-Michigan pet expert talk show.